Hello, welcome to episode 16. Lately, I've actually been for, I've actually been losing track of what we're actually doing. But um, it's actually crazy. Episode 16. So in other words, I've actually been doing this for four months or a little over four months. And I've actually been really, really proud of like what we've actually been able to do. But yeah, so basically this episode is actually just going to be an IG Q&A. Today, I didn't really feel like speaking on a specific topic. But I realized when I used to go live on Instagram, the one thing that a lot of people liked was the fact that I would always answer the questions. Like I do these random Q&As and it's like the conversation would constantly like, let's just say it would be be a little rocky at one point we'll talk about mental health and then the next thing is you know somebody's talking about some sexual shit and then we got to be like oh okay but the good thing is the podcast is an 18 plus podcast so we don't got to worry about that for it all right so literally these are just i posted a story and i pretty much um i pretty much asked people topics questions for the podcast and we're basically just gonna go through them and pick random ones and the good thing is i didn't look at these ahead of time so y'all are pretty much getting like a live reaction of me answering these questions. I feel like if it was off the top of my head, it would be a little better for the podcast. Okay. Oh, shit. This is actually a really good first question. Okay. Somebody asks, is self-love selfishness? I think when you're trying to like reach a certain level of self-love, you start thinking that it's selfish. Because a lot of access that you use to give to certain people in your life you have to kind of like set boundaries. I think that's the part that seems selfish. The fact that you're setting boundaries and allowing certain people not to get a level of access to you. But I don't necessarily think that's selfish. But, and even if somebody did consider it selfish, I think it's okay to be selfish with how much energy you give to people and how much access certain people have to you unless they deserve it. Like for me, the biggest thing is always, does somebody deserve what I'm supposed, what I offer to the table? Like, can they match the energy that I bring? You got to protect your energy because the thing is, I've realized being somebody who didn't have any boundaries, somebody who would constantly just let everything rock. Right. The one thing I realized was. When you're somebody who constantly gives. Some people are are used to taking and the thing I realized about people who are constantly used to giving, we're not. We're not that great at receiving things, even though we know we'd be willing to do so many of these different things for people. But it's just almost like we do it for them, but we don't make it an an expectation for ourselves. And the thing about people is if they're going to constantly take and for you being somebody who has no boundaries. And a lot of the times it's like you always like it tends to be from a mindset where it's like you always want to be there for people. You want to make sure like everything that everything is going all right with them. So you're constantly going to give out all of this energy, right? And people are going to constantly keep on taking it. And at a certain point, it's not even their fault anymore. Because you're, how you react to what people do is what tells them the type of behavior you're going to allow. If you're just okay with giving, you can't get mad at that person for constantly taking what you're offering. So for me, I'm like, there is a selfish component to it. But I don't think it's a bad thing to be selfish with your energy. Because the one thing you got to realize is no matter how much you give to people, no matter how much you try to be that person that you wish you had, right? You're going to end up dealing with majority of your shit alone for people that are that way. Because the one thing that I realize is you're so you're so good at giving, but you're not the greatest at asking or but then you don't expect people to ask you like if I'm going through something. A lot of the times I will not reach out to somebody and be like, oh, something is going on. Like at certain points, like if I'm around a certain friend where I actually really trust them, yes, I'll speak to them about it. It's not that I'm emotionally unavailable. I, I choose to walk away from my emotions, but I just don't feel the need to reach out to people. 
But for me, the type of person that I am to my friends, I constantly remind them that if anything is wrong, reach out to me and I'm there. If you need somebody to talk to, I got you. And even if you just need to vent, you just need somebody to be a soundboard to just listen. I will be on that phone and let you vent and go crazy, whatever it is that you want. But I, but I don't expect that out of people. And the one thing that I, and the one thing that's bad about it when you don't have these boundaries, you start realizing that it's draining. You start getting tired of putting up with certain shit. And at a certain point, it may turn into anger and you may start like resenting certain people for like what they've done to you. But realistically, it's your fault. That's the lack. That's the part where you have to hold yourself accountable for it. If you did set boundaries, if you did, if you were selfish with your time, make sure you dedicate a lot of shit to yourself. You would have been fine, but you were incapable of doing that. And that's where it became an issue. So if that's what you're going to consider selfish. Then I don't think it's an issue. I believe everyone should be selfish without making sure that they're okay. There's nothing wrong with prioritizing yourself before other people, especially when you know that a lot of people are not going to put you at their forefront the same way you would do for them. Okay. Next question. What's your type? Um, <laughs> I don't know why people still ask this question in the fact that it's an actual thing. I'm not the person where it's like I'm attracted to a certain type of person where it's kind of like if she looks like this, 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 then I like her. I don't need people to hit a certain requirement for me to be really intrigued by how they look for me. Right. This is the one thing. Yes. There's the typical, you know, like IG models type thing and those are attractive and everything like that. Right. But for me, the one thing that I find more attractive, if you understand this, if you know, you know, if you don't, that's tough, but it's one of those things where it's kind of like the person just looks so different. Like they have a different look. Like, their look itself has a different vibe to it. They rock a certain hairstyle that you don't normally see people rocking. They dress a certain way. Their composure, like, the way they carry themselves. Like, little things like that are things that I would consider more my type. I like when somebody is not, like, out of the... It's just, like, that different type of pretty. I would say that's more of my type. So, it's not, like, a specific thing. But when somebody does stand out, you stand out one way or another. And I'm not going to be like, oh, you're not light-skinned. You're not dark skin. Your hair's not long. Your hair, that part, I don't necessarily care for it. If the person's, and for me, it's like, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have to be attracted to somebody for me to actually like entertain a relationship or anything like that. But the person, like how you look is just the bare minimum for me. A lot of girls are attractive. I don't, and a lot of guys are attractive to certain women. I don't think that should be something where it's kind of like one of your priorities where it's like, okay, does he look like this? It's like, no, do they have those things that you want? The things, the type of characteristics that's needed to make a relationship work for me. Like I focus more on that than anything else. Thoughts on the alpha makes of social media. Tune in real quick. I think they meant to say males. Alpha male, right? Yeah. Okay, so like those influences, I'd be like, oh, a woman should chase you. That <sighs> What do you think about them? <laughs> I know I'm not one. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. <laughs> right, it's like, I don't have an issue with it or anything like that, but I think a lot of times there's a lot of misogyny that's like embedded in a lot of the messages that they're giving. And for somebody who's like mature and like you can actually understand things, you can decipher what they're saying and see the good in it. But I just don't, like, the way they word certain things, woman should chase you, you're the prize. Like, when there's somebody that's, like, imagine, like, you're 16, like, your 15 to 17-year-old self. How are you taking that message? How do you understand how to express making a woman want you? 
Like for me, that's the issue with it. Me being a person where it's kind of like I'm 22 now, it's like still a young adult, but I'm somebody that's always been very mature for my age. And I guess being able to have a mental health focus kind of speak, I kind of can attest to that. But me at a younger age, hearing some of those messages and the way that they speak, a lot of it at times it's like, there's always this little hidden message of like control hidden in a lot of the things that they put out. And I'm not speaking on every single male, like alpha male influencer content creator. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for the majority of what I see, that's what I'm speaking on. There's always this idea of control that is embedded in those messages. And of course that's speaking on controlling the person that you're with, controlling a woman. And I don't necessarily like that mindset because I'm like, bro, we're in a whole different world. Or at least we're trying to get there where it's not like a man has to be the breadwinner. Like, that's the one thing also alpha males will tell you. A lot of the ones that I've seen, oh, you have to be the breadwinner. Like, it can't be a woman. Like, she shouldn't be, like, overworking herself and doing all. In my opinion, a relationship is a partnership. And for me, a relationship is all about the compatibility of the two. So this idea that you're enforcing how things should be is not something I rock with. Because realistically, the whole reason why I'm saying it's about the compatibility of the two, different people are going to work, right? But then their dynamic is going to be very different. And that's the thing I've realized, like a lot of people don't realize about relationships. You'll be in a relationship that ended, right? But for a good minute, it lasted, you were happy or or everything like that. But because you you looked at those happy times and you looked at what you were doing and what the other person was like um, sending your like the energy that you guys were sharing you take that and you try to add it to the exact to the new relationship that you're in there is not there's not like a right way for a relationship to work that's the whole reason why you see people in open relationships and they're still happy will i ever understand that no but i'm not gonna judge it because I know that's something that doesn't work for me. But if it works for them, they're happy. They're thriving. What am I going to speak on? Like, what? Am, why would I put my own input on like, oh, I don't think that's how, like that. This is not how it is. You're, however you want to go about building bonds with people, whatever works for you. As long as it's not in a toxic manner that's draining, that's ripping you of your own self-love, self-worth. Then you're chilling. That's all you really ought to care for. But I think the whole alpha male thing is kind of like, is very be this one be this be that like and i'm not like the biggest fan of that and y'all can tell i'm not an influencer where it's like the whole alpha male thing maybe if my, some of my energy like when i talk in certain videos and where like certain things i speak on yes but for that to be like the extent of your personality like we can just expect your opinion on things that's a little slow okay is your real name chance see it's like I had a good run with no one knowing my government name on social media. I had a great run with it. But, <laughs> you know, I think I, w- I was at like 800K or something like that on TikTok. And then I get an Instagram DM from Famous Birthdays. At first, like when I read the notification itself, like off my phone, like, oh, people who texted you message requests from thing. I thought it was bullshit. Not gonna hold you. I literally was like, I'm only at 800,000. There's no way people are going to be reaching out to put me on famous birthdays. And then I opened up my DM. 
and then it's like, and then I see the blue check mark. But a lot of people fake blue check marks. Like you can literally, there are people that can literally like scam to say something and get you a random blue check mark. And the thing that I don't appreciate is the fact that I have most, I have things in my name, written in my name, and I thought that was a requirement. But it's still like my blue check mark. But it's okay. But yeah, so I op- I ended up opening it, and then they're like, "Oh, hey, a lot of your followers have been actually searching for your name, and we would just like to get your profile up for them. Send a few pictures, a little description, and then we'll put it up there. Give us your birthday." That I I sent all that thing so fast, like I didn't even wait. Like I just went in and I put everything. But the one thing I didn't realize is, on famous birthdays, your fans and supporters can edit the information. It's kind of like Wikipedia. Yeah, exactly like Wikipedia. Like somebody sets it up and then a lot of people can go in and like edit it. And if some of y'all searched up my government name and found it and put it on famous birthdays. <laughs> so like literally if you search up chance on this drive, at one point you can end to my to my government. So yeah, my government name is Thence Duviella. My first name is Thence. You hear that right? Thence, T-H-E-N-S. And then my last name is Duviella. I'm not gonna spell that part. Duviella. It sounds nice, so that should be enough. But yeah, chances are my real name. My real name is Thence Duviella. But the moment I got to college, everybody pretty much started calling me Chance, professors, new students. But at home, I've always been called Chance since like that was like a birth nickname and stuff like that. So have I given my birth have I given my birth story in this podcast? Uh yeah. I have, right? Yeah. Okay, so y'all y'all know exactly where it comes from. I, 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 I. See, this is why you have Peter in here. He remembers. <laughs> <laughs> Cause there's like when you add up how much I speak for in these fifteen, in these fifteen episodes, that is a lot of time speaking, mm-hmm. and a lot of the things y'all don't see where it's like constant cuts, burps. It, it just be a lot. It just be a lot. Lots of burps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I looked over and I, I was I got kind of sad that I didn't grab it, Bev. <laughs> but I'm gonna grab it after, so it's okay. So it's okay. Okay, this is actually a pretty dope question. Um. We're not going to speak on this from a sexism point of view, just letting that be known. Why single mothers are more praised than single fathers? I get what this question is asking, and I also get like what it's trying to get me to speak on the idea that there should be an equal acknowledgement for both on social media. Like there should be equal praise for them. But for me, that the one thing, the one thing that I will say, I do believe that. I believe it should be an equal thing. Like a single father should be praised just as much as a single mother for raising the kids. At the end of the day, the responsibilities are the same. And at times, men aren't natural nurturers. It's just not in our nature to. We don't give birth. Like there's a, there's a certain level of attachment of us. Uh, ch- like a child would grow with their mother that, at times, isn't necessarily something that can be attainable by the father. Like the whole breastfeeding. That's an like that's for a baby. That's a lot. Everybody likes to eat, but um, the one thing that I will say, although I believe it should be equal, I just think the reason why we give a lot more credit to women and more praise to them is because it is a lot, it is a lot more common for a man to, for a fault. Well, for I guess well, for the purpose of the show, I'm not speaking bad on nobody for a deadbeat. Right, that's the title we'll put on it since that's what most people use. It's easier for a deadbeat to just walk away as a man. It's easier to leave those responsibilities. You can leave at a month, at three months, four or five months. At any at any certain point, you can walk away. And it's pretty easy. But for a woman, I think the reason we give them more praise is the emotional trauma that comes along with going through that experience by yourself. I have had friends that had a kid at a young age where 
there was a deadbeat in the situation. He walked away and walked away from his responsibilities. She didn't want to go down the route of killing the baby. That's, that just didn't align with her beliefs. But the thing, the issue stood where it's kind of like she didn't, she was stuck. Even though this is, is, this isn't something that she wanted, but because of the circumstances and her beliefs, she was stuck with that responsibility. She was stuck with dealing with that for the whole entire nine months and then giving birth while that person isn't there. Where that's the moment where you, let's just say you, she didn't want to have a baby. That's the moment you look forward to. The idea of holding the person's hand, who's was right there, emotional support, going through hours of labor by themselves knowing that somebody's supposed to be there, but they're not. And the person that you're bringing into this world doesn't have someone there. And there's a level of responsibility a woman will take that a certain father won't necessarily have to think about. I'm not saying there isn't uh, there isn't like issues on both sides. There isn't trauma that happens on both sides. But I'm speaking on the part where that is directly something that women go through and that a man can't necessarily experience. And I think that's the reason why we give it more praise. Because we understand like like the post-traumatic like stress that comes with that type of thing is a lot. And especially while you're supposed to be like breastfeeding your baby and everything like that. That's not the type of energy you want to raise your son or your daughter around. But yeah, for me, I generally think that's what it is. Because a lot of the times like people try to bring awareness to that type of thing. They always do speak on those experiences that a woman go through that is very traumatic to them. That a man probably would never have to deal with. Okay, tips to move on from a complicated situationship. <laughs> okay, so not even a relationship, a situationship. See, this is the thing about situationships. Why do people get in them? In a situationship, we're talking about the manner of, like, this is always how their situationships go, right? Y'all will talk almost like y'all are on a relationship level and then develop that type of bond where maybe it's not there, but y'all are, like, talking but none of you guys have spoken on anything being serious or where it's leading. That one, that's the issue. Prevent yourself from getting in situationships that you're not aware of where both parties stand. For me, I'm not going to, I'm not doing anything consistent with somebody unless I know where their mind is at. And especially as a guy, it's like, the thing is I don't like hurting people's feelings, right? Whether I'm in the wrong or in the wrong, like whether I'm, whether I'm not in the wrong or not, that part doesn't matter to me. And for me, I've had times where there's times where it's even been bad, right? There's been times where I've told the girl, this is what it is, right? And then along, I feel like this is also a good thing, and then I'll come back to it. I feel like this is a good thing to speak on. This is something I, I've experienced, which I think is terrible, right? There have been times where I hopped in a little situationship with somebody, or you can situationship, sneaky link type thing, whichever, right? And then I will tell them straight up, like, this is what it is, and this is what it's not. This is what you can expect out of me. This is what you cannot. And most of those things that was a cannot was anything relationship or boyfriend like. That's not what I that's not what I was in place for. So if I don't want it, I'm letting I'm gonna be straight up with you and I'm not gonna try to lead you on anything like that. And then it will and it will happen. Everything will but the thing I realize is there are a lot of a lot of people in general, but I'm speaking from my perspective. A lot of women attach their feelings and emotions to sex. And as they keep on doing something consistently with a guy, they will become attached to that energy, that vibe. And 
the moment you start getting attached to something, there's another part to that, which is the part that gets bad. There's a selfish factor, a selfishness factor where it's like, because you're so attached to this one thing, you don't want nobody else to have access to it. So I've been in situations where that happened, even though I told the girl, no, I don't want nothing serious, no relationships, no nothing. I'm not going to treat you like shit. I'm going to treat you like an actual individual. But the expectation that one day I will be your boyfriend, that's not sliding. And then along the lines, at one point when things were supposed to be cut off and stuff like that, like this wasn't going to last forever. Like clearly that's something you are aware of since I said I wasn't dating you. Why would we keep on doing this thing for mad long without nothing coming out of it? It's like that just doesn't make sense. When it was time to like stop doing all that stuff, she she started getting mad at me almost like starting like starting to say things that you would only say to your boyfriend or somebody you're talking, talking to. And then I won't point where I'm like, Yo, what is you on? I'm the dickhead all of a sudden. Like I'm the bad guy. And then I feel like a dickhead because I know I'm not. But the idea of making me feel like I just hurt you or anything like that is just like, bro, are you serious? And then I realized what happened, right? As certain women, and I've seen this comment in a lot of my friends and a lot of other people, they hear what the guy said in the beginning. But because they start getting attached and they start catching feelings, they think the same thing is going to happen with the, with the guy. And this is something that I'm going to let a lot of women know because I know a lot of you guys watch my show. That's the majority of it. Men don't get persuaded very easily when it comes to a relationship you may persuade us to give you a certain type of treatment to get what we want but for you to think us doing certain things all of a sudden is going to change the mindset we had coming in into a situation that's that is a very rare thing to happen and even if it does happen I promise you that uncertainty the man had at a certain point where he didn't know if he wanted to not have anything at all or if he wanted something serious with you. I feel like at a certain point down the line, that will come back. Because if he didn't want something in the very first place, that means he wasn't ready for it. He wasn't looking for it. Many times it works, but so many other situations, at a certain point, when it gets hard, when it stops feeling a little like it's worth it too much, like because of constant issues and stuff like that, or like just arguments like a regular couple goes through, that stress starts hitting you. And then that stress is kind of like a reminder of why you didn't want this shit in the first place. And because you know that's not what you want, no matter how much you really fuck with the person, at the end of the day, you want out. So yeah, listen, don't use sex as a way to try to convince. Don't use sex as a way to a man's heart. It's not gonna work. And I know a lot of women do this. Like you think just doing certain things and everything like that will start making him want you more. To a lot of men, sex is just a physical thing. They don't attach their emotions to it. It's just not a good situation to be in. And then you feel like you were taken advantage of. So even though like they weren't in the wrong, at the end of the day, it would just be better to prevent yourself from going through that shit where it's like you're having to get over somebody you didn't even fucking date or talk to. I've been in situations like that and... Bro, it's just the most confusing shit. Like, why am I trying to get over you and we're not even dating? So, yeah, my advice for, like, getting over bad situationships, reminding yourself the things that you you have to not do and the next time you end up in one of these shits to not, so you can prevent from getting to that place in the first place. But realistically, getting over somebody in general, 
for the most part, is going to be the exact same thing. But just remind yourself that that person wasn't what you wanted. They couldn't provide that. So there's no reason for you to still want them. Getting over them is one thing, but I feel like the biggest part is making sure you don't want that person back. Because when you do want them back, that's when you try to do a lot of things to try to get them back. And that prevents the whole point of trying to get over them in the first place. Oh, I like this question. How do you approach certain conversations with a defensive person? I don't. (laughs) If you think I'm going to sit here and try to have a conversation with an individual that I know for a fact will not be able to see my point because they are so closed minded and only think about them fucking selves. You're bugging. I am not going to waste my precious time trying to like constantly repeat the same shit in a different manner so that they're not getting their feelings hurt. I don't approach any. I prevent myself from approaching any situations like in terms of like arguments, conversations. The moment that I know I'm going to have to walk around eggshells. Because whenever you're whenever you're arguing with somebody and you, or like having like having a regular conversation with them and you feel like you have to walk on eggshells, I realize a lot of the times you don't say the things you really mean. The whole time you're just worried about protecting their feelings and not making them hurt to the point where you start letting go. Like you start letting go of the things that you really wanted to get out. You start putting your feelings to the side because you feel like you got to prioritize theirs. And I am that person to want to not hurt somebody's feelings. So I will gladly do that. So that's the reason why I, I know that's a flaw of mine. The moment I get in front of people that are defensive and they start acting hurt and victimizing themselves, I will get a little soft and I'll care for the emotions. And I will, I will take away from the things that I wanted to say. And it'll take away from the purpose of the whole argument or conversation in the first place. So for me, I don't approach, I try not to have people in my life in general that are defensive And if they are that way, but I really just like a certain vibe that they have, I limit the level of access that I have to them and that they have to me. So for me, I think that's the biggest part. I, it's just not worth it. Like how, like the whole idea of a conversation or an argument when you guys are speaking on something is for us to try to be on the same page about something. How are you ever going to be on the same page with somebody? When they're not, when they are closed minded. In other words, they are incapable of being understanding to your point because they will only like they pick and point like they literally will pinpoint to just the tiniest things that you said that was wrong. And that's all they will focus on. So people like that, it's like even you can't even communicate what you want to say to them. So it's just not even worth it. And I would hope that. Y'all don't get in relationships with people like that because on a friendship level, it's manageable. But when the when the bond depends on communicating, it's just not going to work out for you. Uh, Thoughts on virginity and if you'd help virgins out, if you know what I mean. What do you mean by that? (laughs) I know I'm said I'm a nice person and I like to help people, but. I'm not about it. just sit here and just be swinging dick to any virgin that just asked me. That's just not something I do. And I'm not going to lie to you. At a certain point in my life, when I was a little younger and it was a lot more common for people to like still be virgins around my age. <laughs> I refrained from speak from like speaking to people sexually that I know were virgins. And it's not about the lack of experience or anything like that. It's just the level of attachment I have heard some of my friends go through after taking somebody's virginity. 
that was not something I wanted to risk. Like I'm telling you, there have been times where it's just about to get to it. And I remember the fact that I'm the first person and I'm like, no, because if I am the very first, if I'm the first person to take somebody's virginity, right. And I know I don't want nothing serious with them. I have no way of knowing what that first experience will mean to them. And they themselves, no matter what they tell you, don't know it until they experience it. Like I said, a lot of people get get very attached to sex, men and women. So I do not want to be in a situation where I know there's a high risk of somebody being attached to me. And then they're going to start wanting me. And knowing that I don't want that. I would rather prevent them from going through that experience. And I don't want to be their first experience if that's what it's going to lead to. It's not even all. I don't like. Yes. At the end of the day, yeah, you have I'm having sex. I should care about that part. But for me, it's not that I don't like the idea that I'm ever going to do anything with a woman and for her to regret any part of it. And that's the reason why I am somebody that is very big on consent. And when I say big, I mean, I don't care if you're trying to rip my clothes off and it's about to get to that point. I will take that. Trust me, it doesn't take a lot of time. It takes like three to five seconds. Are you okay with this? Are you sure? And then at that point, the, the one thing that I've realized, right? Because you just stopped everything and then you asked that question. A lot of the times, somebody's hormones will take over and then they'll start thinking that they want it but midway through they realize they don't so that's the reason why i refrain myself from putting anyone in that situation whether or not it doesn't look bad on me or they don't blame me for it i'd rather prevent certain people from having that experience because i know it's not a great one to feel like you gave your body to somebody that didn't deserve it to men it's a physical thing but to women it's about energy and soul ties are very much real when somebody attaches a lot to to sex so because I don't want certain women going through that, because I know for a fact, I wouldn't like if one of my nieces went through something like that, like when they get older or if the future daughter that I have one day goes through that. I know I can't put no blame on the guy, but I know for a fact that's not an experience I would ever want them to go through. So I refrain from me allowing anyone to get to that point where they have to deal with that. And I think at times throwing blame does make things a little easier because it's a quick little escape. But in that situation, you don't even have anybody to throw blame on. So I can only imagine how hard it would be for a woman to overcome that experience. Especially if sex means a lot to you. But yeah, that'll be my that's my take on that. Good time management. I cannot I cannot give you no advice on that. <laughs> Peter can attest to this. I cannot give you no advice on time management. I'm going to be completely honest. It is one of those things like in an interview, I know how to finesse interviews. You know, I know all the right things to say on a corporate level to make yourself sound professional. You know, whenever they ask a question about time management. Okay, this is like an interview tip, right? If you're ever told to what are your weaknesses in an interview, this is something that I learned. You never want to tell them, hey, I'm bad at this. When they ask you for weaknesses, that is not what they want to hear. But in a lot of interviews, you think, oh, I have to be honest you can be modest, but add a little, you know, a little, little flavor to the truth. But yeah, you never want to say you're bad at anything in an interview. The one thing you want to say is the one thing like employers will love to hear. They like this idea of like character development. This idea of like growth is something that you seek for. So you want to play at that because the moment they hear that message coming out of anything you tell them, all they hear is good candidate, good candidate. 
So yeah, so the one thing you want to do is like, oh, what are some of your weaknesses? Like just say, mine is time management. So that's why I cannot give you no advice on this and we're going to take it into something. I promise you, I can't tell you shit on it. But for me, if I, if I were asked by an employer and like they were trying to figure out whether I'm good for the job, or they ask me about time management, I'll be like, one of the things that I used to, sh- one of my weaknesses used to be, one of the things I used to struggle a lot with is managing my time. But as time went on, I realized that it was very, like you say, like it was very important, that it was very like crucial for me to adapt like better habits to make sure that my time management was on point or whatever. You'll do that part. You always want to say it's bad at it. You were bad at it at one point, but then you've, you've gotten better and you want to say what it is that you've done better. You'd be like, um, the one thing I've realized has really helped is using a planner so that I can plan out my whole entire day and knowing that I have something to look back on and remind me of the things that I need to do allows me to keep on track. When you say that little part, they don't care that you just said time management used to be one of your weaknesses. And that's the thing. When I said you can add a little sauce to it, I do not use a planner, but I said that so well. Why? Because I have given that exact shit to people in interviews. Yeah, no, don't ever say you're bad at anything at interviews. But yeah, time management is not something I can give you advice on. I tried a planner. I gave up on it within like a week. Yeah, it just it just didn't work out. But one thing that does help people is keeping things on your notes. Like using your phone to have reminders and everything like that is a very good thing that a lot of people don't really prioritize. Like even like when you get an assignment, you have a calendar on your phone. And if you have something that's shared between like computer, like that can be shared between like um regular smartphone or a desktop, it's easy for you to put all your things on your computer, but all the things and notifications will come through your phone. So it makes that has helped me a lot, I will say. Asking Siri, yo, Siri, remind me to do this, da, 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 da. that helps a lot. Not gonna lie to you. Overthinking part two. That was a good episode, but I feel like I spoke a lot on overthinking that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give the people what they want. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So see guys, I have no problem doing research for you guys. Like generally, like this is a lot, like I've learned a lot doing this podcast. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I would hear like even one of my most recent podcasts, like manipulating and gaslighting. I didn't even really know the definition of gaslighting until I decided on that episode. <laughs> and then I had to research and know, oh, it's a type of manipulation, which is why it's like, I would always get confused between the two. Like what's the difference? And then I realized there isn't necessarily a difference. It's more like, one is the big picture thing and the other one's in a category. Yeah, so gaslighting was like a form of manipulation. But I'm not going to hold you. I didn't know. But for as of overthinking part two, I'm not going to lie. A lot of you guys were reposting that episode saying you related to it. So what I can promise is maybe I can't make overthinking part two a whole episode, but I can definitely make it a segment in one of my upcoming episodes. I'm not going to say on the next one because I don't want to feel like anything is being rushed. But yeah, I will do a segment and it will have overthinking part two. And the one thing that's actually giving me a good idea for this, I can pick a few segments that I know people have really liked a few episodes and then make the part two and then make that episode a part two of each segment. So that way y'all get like a little overview of each of the topics and then we take it from a different angle. So that means I'd have to rewatch my episodes and figure out what that is. But I'm actually excited for that. I feel it would be dope. People with boundaries. Um, people with boundaries are great people. You should be around those people because they will not take advantage of you. And you can also learn a lot from them. Be somebody that knows how to set boundaries. I already spoke on why, so I'm not going to go too much into that. Who's your favorite comedian? Um, my favorite comedian definitely has to be Kevin Hart. Yeah, I don't know, bro. I feel like for me, like as I started really caring about like things like comedy outside of just movies, 
that was one of the people that was really hot. And I didn't care about comedy to the point where, like, I wanted to search up the best comedians of all time. I didn't have time for that. Like, that just felt like mad work. And Kevin Hart was putting out a lot. So I was okay with that. But I will say Bernie Mac is iconic. Especially, his show was funny as shit. Bernie Mac in general, he's just a funny guy. Because it's like, he's like your typical black dad back in the day. But then he just like this raunchiness and where it's just like, he cussed a lot. Like, the dude just cusses in every goddamn joke. I have not heard one joke from Bernie Mac where he hasn't cussed. And that's something I very much appreciate. That's not a criticism. I hope you guys didn't think that. But, so yeah, Kevin Hart, Bernie Mac, Slinton, oh, I'm forgetting. What's the one with the slick, slicked hair? Cat Williams? Oh, I love Cat Williams. <laughs> I, haven't listened, I haven't watched anything by Cat Williams, but he's iconic. Do you, do you like Cat? Actually, give me top three comedians. Seen- you have not seen Cat Williams? No. Well, I, I know who he is, but I've never seen any of his uh, stand-ups. They're really good. That's just one thing I'll say. If there's... Oh, Aries Spears. That's one of those comedians that's not like... He's not like mainstream, but like comedy jams and stuff like that. He'll, mm. be, he'll be like featuring on a lot of them. But Aries Spears is a great comedian. And like he's one of those people that can do impressions. He had a whole rap segment. In one of his things, like literally like played a beat and then started rapping like Snoop Dogg, LL Cool J. It, it was fire. Like that right nice. there, that only segment, I feel like you'd actually fuck with it. Cool. But yeah, um, those would be my top comedians. Um, we're at 38 minutes, so I'm thinking we should be pretty t- pretty good on that. Um, would you ever let it... <laughs> I don't even want to read this question, bro. Would you ever let a girl eat your talks? I use the word but talks. Um, the answer to that is no. It just feels like a lot, you know? Like, when you go to the doctors, they tell you that's an exit, and you just stay as an exit until you're about in your 50s when you get your prostate exam. 40? God damn, 18 years. Nah, see, this is where we end the episode. I just want to say I think <laughs> I want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in. For everybody on YouTube, please remember, subscribe. And if you stayed here, I just want to say I really appreciate you. But, yeah, subscribe. For anybody that's listening to it on a platform, I just want to say thank you for admiring what it is that I do enough to just be able to listen to my voice. And that's, being, and that's enough. That means a lot. That means what I'm saying actually holds value to you guys. And that's all I could really ever ask for. So, yeah, if anybody was actually listening to this, give it a download. It does help the ratings and podcasts like that. So ratings you guys want to give me. I love it. And to anybody who's in a country outside of the United States listening to this. Generally, I love you. You don't understand like. How much I get to brag when I see the fact that my podcast for mental health is ranked number one in a country in South Africa. Do you understand? I like I know in certain of those countries, there might not be a lot going on. For me, it's not about the fact that I'm better than other people in that category. It's just the idea that somebody in South Africa hears my voice. And they know who I am. And the way they say my name, Chance. I love it every single time I hear it. Like... The level of joy I get hearing other people in different countries know who I am. And like, they really fuck with my content, look up to me. And the people that use this podcast as therapy sessions, I just want to say I love you. And we're going we're gonna to do this shit together because this is not stopping. But yeah, uh, thank you for listening. I hope you guys have a great week and you will listen to this Wednesday. Bye.